If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, it seems that the very last Democrat to get on board with Joe Biden for president is none other than Barack Obama. Congratulations. I mean, he even waited. You think about this. Obama even waited to endorse Biden after after Biden's final competitor decided to endorse him. It's not just after Bernie dropped out of the race. No, no, no. That happened last week. They, Obama, Barack Obama waited the day after, the day after Bernie not only dropped out of the race, that happened again last week. He waited until Bernie endorsed him. Biden was all shocked about that. We've alluded to that. We haven't talked about that. I will put that on our radar to get to today as I have, but I want to start with yesterday's coronavirus task force briefing in the White House lawn or at the White House lawn. President Trump clarifying some things, making, I I hope that as much attention is paid to what he said yesterday as the attention that was paid to the things he said on Monday evening. But welcome. Welcome to the program. I am your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, your questions, your Adoration and praise. I'll even accept it. Kidding, not kidding. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can also join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash ToddHuffShow. So yesterday, we spent a fair amount of time, and understandably so, talking about Trump's comments from Monday, uh, Monday's White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing. We talked about President Trump. Uh, I thought it was the best, most uh, entertaining press conference or update or whatever you want to call this thing that uh, that I've seen maybe ever from President Trump. They rolled out a video, MSNBC, when the when the president rolls out the video, I love it, MSNBC, they 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 lose their minds. They have to cut. We can't show a video. From President Trump, it's, it can't it can't be done. What on earth? This guy's not allowed to respond. It's as, it's it's as though that they're afraid of the president having having free speech. It's truly remarkable to watch this. In fact, in fact, they were saying that we might be subjected to misinformation. And I said yesterday, and I stand by this: MSNBC is misinformation. 
That's what I mean, that's what they engage in day in and day out. I watch this stuff. I know I know that people like me are accused of only watching Fox News, and that's simply not true. I go behind the metaphorical or the proverbial enemy lines, right? I go I go and watch these places who have a radically different political worldview. When I say enemy lines, I mean politically. We're all humans. That's why I'm conservative, not bitter. I don't hate these people. I hate a lot of the things that they're teaching as truth. I hate how they abandon things like fundamental American principles, universal truths, things that we've learned about the nature of man, mankind, humankind, people. I hate that, but I don't hate them. They're just often misguided. Some of these folks are intentionally this way, but nonetheless... MSNBC freaking out about the comments. And we devoted a fair amount of time yesterday to talking about President Trump's, um, what he meant when he said that the president had absolute authority or some, some similar phraseology there as he was talking about his role in restoring uh, normalcy, I suppose, to to American life in the wake of COVID-19, coronavirus. Now, we're... Again, I don't want to talk about this as though we're through this, but again, we have to look forward. This is exactly what the president should be doing. We should be looking ahead. We should be casting a vision as to what normalcy looks like. We should, of course, listen to doctors. We should, of course, look to things other other than models. I mean, obviously, we have to make some projection, but these models... They keep, you know, decreasing the uh, the number of deaths, which is which is good. But when you're making decisions based upon models that have, you know, continually cut things down, and of course, a lot of that is due to the way that Americans have responded to social distancing and the guidelines put forth by the administration and listening to their governors and their states. But some of that is just because the models are wrong. Models models are always are always wrong. Models are only as good as the assumptions that are used when setting them up. So anyway, we've we've got a ways to go. And so yes, the president should be applying a healthy amount of pressure towards getting us back to normalcy, whatever that's going to look like here once we get through uh, coronavirus and there's going to be who knows? There might be waves of this. There might be uh, you know, different reactions. It appears there's going to be different responses and different speeds at which things get back to quote-unquote normal in different parts of the country. And even within specific parts of the country, things, uh, certain things may be quote-unquote back to normal sooner than other things. It doesn't mean that you're just going to rip this thing off like a Band-Aid and say have – have back at it. There's no restrictions. Everything's fine. That's that's not what's going to happen. And that's one of the things that has to drive President Trump crazy because he's not suggested this. Even when he made his declaration, his hope for Easter being a time that we can get back to normal, when he said it would be, it would be fantastic to see people gather on Easter Sunday in their houses of worship on that very holy special day. He didn't say that that was his 
that that was a written in stone goal. He just simply cast that vision, spoke of that hope. And again, what is wrong with that? We have to look forward and push towards that. So that's what he's been doing. But yesterday, excuse me, Monday, Monday evening, he went on to say that it's the absolute power of the presidency. And I even wrote about this for our our next newsletter. Um, in fact, I took a question yesterday on Facebook where I, uh, from Mark, and I appreciate the question. He had concerns. I had concerns. There's, there should be a spidey sense. We all have our form of spidey sense that should go off. The alarm bell should go off when we hear politicians use certain words and phrases. But we also have to, have to understand the person who's, who's saying those words. And there is a, a maxim. There is a a truth about President Trump, and for and and it's uh, at the pull the name of the individual who said this originally, uh, but she wrote this in an article in the Atlantic back in uh, 2016. She was talking specifically about the media at the time, and we've referenced this on here before. But she said that the media takes Trump literally, but not seriously. His supporters take him seriously and not literally, and so. That's a key component in understanding how Trump communicates. You can criticize it, disagree with it. You can think it's not a good way to communicate, but it's important. Communication is a two-way street. You know, when I say words on this program, I have to think how you might interpret them. I can't just say whatever I want from my vantage point and perspective and think that your perspective has nothing to do with the way that you hear hear the things that I say. It's In fact... You'll hear me sometimes, and some of you might get a little ticked off at me, but when I talk about certain subjects, I start off by addressing people who may have a different viewpoint, and that's for that very reason. I want people to hear what I have to say, and I have to meet them where they are. thats um, I feel like that's communication 101. And so we have to understand where Trump is starting. And so even when, in the piece that I wrote for the newsletter, which you can subscribe to by going to uh, com slash subscribe, or you can text the word Huff, my last name, H-U-F-F, to 31996. It's free. And by the way, if you do that, if you subscribe to the newsletter, you can also get a free month subscription to Total Access, which is where you can get exclusive digital access to hour two of, of our program, which you can listen to live uh, or on demand and some other bonuses for for members as well but anyway we have to understand where trump is who what trump means and we also have to understand um you know that that he was speaking to something specific he wasn't as some suggested saying the president is king i saw uh, governor cuomo of new york said that we don't have a king governor cuomo would be right we don't have a king we should not have a king but that being said, uh, when managing and mitigating crisis, when there's a national declaration of em- uh, emergency in all 50 states, the president is is the leader. So if Trump is speaking specifically to that, to managing this crisis and talking about the powers he has and, and his role in something like a crisis, it is different than day-to-day uh, leadership as president of the United States. It doesn't mean that he's suddenly a dictator. It just means that for the sake of navigating the crisis quickly, efficiently, and to get us out of this, uh, there there are certain things he can do, even should be doing, that maybe normally um, he's not 
he's not doing because that's not in the day-to-day rule. That's why these things have to be specific. These 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 uh, states of emergency have to be very specific. They have to be very defined. They have to have a timetable. The people have to to see that in order for us to say yes, additional measures are needed by our government here. In order to to get the right to do that, you have to you can't just say this is a blanket thing that goes on for eternity to where someone like the president or even governor or whatever has some expanded rights, expanded powers, I should say, because expanded power means loss of loss of liberty. And so there are circumstances where that would be uh, valid. But again, it has to be very defined, very specific, very much on a timetable. And then some some are arguing, you're beginning to hear more and more murmurs from this, that we're you know this this situation has been um, has been used to increase to increase powers uh, to to be to be abused and there's concerns and questions about that. I think these are healthy healthy questions. We should always be vigilant in protecting our constitutional republic. We always have to make sure uh, to look at people with power uh, very uh, very critically, really. Not to the point where we're trying to personally destroy them as, as what happens in the media, but just to make sure that they are uh, accountable and they're not abusing that. So anyway, we talked about that yesterday. So last night at the press conference, and I'll play this when we get back because I've got to take a time out here. Last night, anyone that had concerns that Trump wasn't just talking about this crisis, that he was talking about his view of the presidency in general – uh, those concerns should be alleviated after hearing him talk last evening about the process of getting from where we are back to some semblance of normalcy. So I'll play that soundbite when we get back. You'll hear the president, actually a couple of soundbites. You'll hear the president talk about the role of governments, talk, of governors, I should say, talk about his role, talk about what happens if governors are not in agreement with him, so on and so forth. I think this should put to bed any concerns that President Trump was declaring that he is, in fact, a dictator. That's not that's not what he was saying, um, even though the, the language he used on Monday should have at least caught our attention. I think there's nothing wrong with, with saying that. Um, but again, uh, understanding what he was saying, understanding what he was meaning, you know, once he, he left that press conference and, you know, really – had a meeting with his team and was understanding the objections to the language. He came out last night and I think remedied that completely in a good, you know, in a good way. So we'll talk about that after the break. Got to take a time out. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Just the microphone there. Welcome back. So we've been talking here about Trump's briefing yesterday, coronavirus task force, Trump in the <laughs> in the White House. I'm sorry, I was just I was just envisioning. Um I don't know who he's talking to um in the in the amongst the White House correspondents, but he called on one of the individuals sitting 
kind of in the back as they were sitting outside yesterday. And the guy kept asking a question. He wouldn't stop talking. And Trump said, look, if you want to keep talking, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the stage, and then you can figure it out with everyone else sitting here. You're going to stop talking. You've had your chance. I thought twice about inviting you in here. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but this is the gist of it. I thought twice about inviting you in here anyway, and I knew better. This is just kind of the type of person you are. This is pathetic. Leave it alone sort of thing. So never a dull moment at these these things. But before that, I think it was before that, President Trump said what I'm about to play for you, which – Again, should should make you, if you weren't already, maybe some people, some of you weren't bothered or concerned with the comments yesterday because you knew that Trump was speaking specifically about how to get out of uh, coronavirus or you know back to normal, back to opening up the economy, as we're now saying now. But anyway, I want I want you to hear what Trump says. This again should be contrasted or at least understood, at least filtered through what Trump said on Monday evening when he used words such as absolute authority and, um, you know, he's the, the one in charge calling the shots sort of thing. This should make people who were concerned about those comments feel much better because this is more, <laughs> this is more along the lines of how this should sound. So listen to President Trump yesterday explaining the process on what reopening the states and reopening the economy will look like. Plans to reopen the country are close to being finalized, and we will soon be sharing details and new guidelines with everybody. I will be speaking to all 50 governors very shortly, and I will then be authorizing each individual governor of each individual state to implement a reopening and a very powerful reopening plan of their state at a time and in a manner as most appropriate. The day will be very close because certain states, as you know, are in much different uh, condition and in a much different place than other states. It's going to be very, very close, maybe even before the date of May 1st. So that will be for some states. Actually, there are over 20 that are in extremely good shape. And we think we're going to be able to get them open fairly quickly, and then others will follow. The federal government... So he says that he also, a little bit later in response to a question, when he basically said, or he, he was asked, if, uh, what, what happens if governors don't agree? So Trump last night made it clear that it's up to the governors to, to reopen their states. This is, um, but the federal government was going to be involved. The federal government, I should say, is going to be involved. The federal government is going to be there to quote unquote help if they have problems to give direction, to help with resources, organizing, whatever that looks like. They're going to be there as a resource, but the governors are going to be opening their states at a time, at a time that they deem appropriate. It's not as though Trump's going to say, open your state. It needs to be open by noon tomorrow. 
He's going to say, look, our task force thinks that, it, you know, you can begin the process of, of opening your state when you're ready to do that. And so a governor could say, okay, give us a week, 10 days, or I want to be a little bit more cautious or whatever. Um, right now, we just have to get, we just have to get the, the ball moving. I mean, you saw yesterday the market, the market actually responded favorably because there's talk about these things. There, there's there's hope and light at the end of the tunnel. It's easy right now for folks who are, who are largely isolated. They're not working. Things are not normal. They're beginning to you know, see the doom and gloom, hear about all these negatives on a constant, constant basis. And so they are, uh, you know, folks need to have some hope. It doesn't mean, it, it's still perplexing to me, and I know that there's political hacks out there that want to uh, misrepresent what the president says, but there are people who legitimately see this as you either want to do everything in one fell swoop, open the economy, you know, basically to heck with everything else, or we're going to be in lockdown until not a single person um, has coronavirus in the United States. And and that's not – neither one of those is, is the correct way. We have to move forward. We have to be cautious. We have to take steps. We have to monitor. We have to be wise. We have to understand that if there is a flare-up or if there is some a, a new hot spot, that other actions will be taken. Maybe things will shut back down again. This may be a herky-jerky stop-and-go process, but we've got to begin to go. And and by go now, all it means is to lay out the plan. It means to 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 demonstrate or to uh, propose to educate people on what the steps are to get from point A to point B, really to point Z, right? To to move through this process and get back get back to normal. But he was asked, what are you going to do if governors don't uh, don't cooperate or don't listen to your recommendations and Trump replies by saying this. But it did happen. No, the governors would be very, very respectful of the presidency. Again, this isn't me. This is the presidency. The presidency has such an, a great importance in terms of what we're doing. And you can talk about constitution. You can talk about federalism. You can talk about whatever you want. But the best way I'm talking now from a managerial standpoint is to let individual governors run individual states and come to us if they have difficulty and we will help them. Yeah, John. So there you go. So for the concerns of over Trump's comments on Monday, which, again, I understand the pause. I understand the question. Um, I don't understand the hysteria that followed it, but it should pique our interest. It should catch our attention. It should make alarm bells go off. Our spidey senses begin to alert us that something is wrong when the uh, when a po- politician, especially the president, uses phrases like authority or absolute authority or whatever the specific term was. Now you compare that to what he said here. This is right. And what he's saying here, and i got to take a break again, but what he's saying here is that, yes, the Constitution requires that, you know, that there are states, you can talk about that, which of course is a critically important. You talk about federalism or states' rights. Um, you can just talk about you know the nature and the role, the way that our government is set up. <clears throat> but President Trump says, look, even from a perspective of 
say, running a business, the the whole job of the executive is to is to cast the vision, is to offer leadership, offer support and direction, but then to let the staff, the executives and then their teams manage this, right? To manage this state by state. Now, the analogy is uh, good to some level, but at another level, it's, you know, again, the governors don't answer to the president of the United States. And I think that that's important to point out. But in a situation where there's a national emergency, things do change a little bit. It is a different dynamic than normal. Again, if there's a specific threat that we can identify and we can say, look, for this time frame, we have to take these actions to protect the health, safety, and well-being of Americans, then, of course, um, the president may have some additional temporary power or at least can can execute things more quickly uh, than than typical and maybe have a little bit more hands-on uh, direction in navigating this just from a, the practical side of, hey, we've got to get through this. Something has to be done. Just as in the case of, of a wartime president, things are a little bit a little bit different, but these should not be construed to be per, uh, long-term permanent ways of managing our government. So anyway, this should alleviate those concerns, what we saw yesterday. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that we should suddenly not pay attention to what our government is doing. We always should pay attention to what our government's doing, whether quote-unquote our guy or the other guy is in there. We should always be vigilant, paying attention to the role of our – to what our government's doing and whether or not it's in compliance with their true constitutional role and responsibility. So got to take a break. Get back. Uh, maybe a few more things to tie up on this and want to shift gears and talk a little bit about a couple of other things in the news, including Obama finally, finally the last Democrat on earth practically endorsing – Joe Biden, crazy to think about, crazy to think that we've gotten to this point and he's not even endorsed his former vice president until after Biden's final opponent did. Crazy, crazy stuff, but we'll talk about these things as the program comes together. Quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Shifting gears here just a little bit. You probably saw this yesterday. President Trump cuts off U.S. funding to WHO, World Health Organization, pending review. Looking here in an article from the Washington Times, it reads as follows. President Trump said the U.S. will stop funding to the World Health Organization while his administration reviews its role in, quote, mismanaging the coronavirus. He said the U.S. contributes up to $400 million while superpowers like China, where the outbreak began, as he said, the China virus, the Wuhan virus, which is, of course, what they called this at the beginning. Now, of course, that is that is racist, and um, of course, you know where that – that's a rabbit hole I don't, I don't want to go down this morning. But anyhow – He continues, uh, superpowers like China, where the outbreak began, contribute closer to $40 million. So the U.S. contributes 10 times, essentially, what the 
uh, what the Chinese government does to the World Health Organization. And Trump says the United States has a duty to insist on full accountability. Amen. Amen, by the way. This, this is something that's been lacking in our government for a long time. In fact, this is often spun as you know Trump is, is abdicating his responsibility for organizations like the, the World Health, Health Organization or like NATO. Now, when Trump is really saying two things, number one, if you're going to take our money, you got to do the job that you said you're going to do. Every single American on in this nation understands and believes that. Now, when you throw Trump's name into the mix, when you throw politics into the mix, when you throw uh, when you mix in their hatred and animosity for Republicans, conservatism, I would argue in some cases even the Constitution, whatever the case may be, they suddenly find this to be provocative. They suddenly find this to be problematic. If we're going to give some organization $400 million and we have a right to say we're not going to give you that, there's going to be changes. There's accountability here if you don't do your job. What, What other solution is there? This is upsetting to some people for some some unknown reason. It's purely political. The other reason is the United States carries the lion's share of funding organizations like this around the world. This is where I go back to the example again with NATO. Trump took a lot of flack, a lot of pushback for saying, for saying, you know, it, it was it was presented as Trump can't get along with our allies. Trump likes Russia better than countries in the European Union. All Trump wanted, all Trump demanded was that they start paying their quote-unquote fair share into NATO. It's not the job of the United States to defend nations in Europe. I mean, on the one hand, if, if they can't defend themselves, there's a degree of necessity, there's a degree of national interest for the United States, especially in light of what happened in these places back in, say, World War II, for example. The United States understands they have to protect that part of the world if if they can't protect themselves. But we should move towards a situation where they're able to protect themselves. And by the way, by the way, some of these socialist utopias would crumble, immediately crumble, if they had to bear the cost of actually defending their nations and not lying upon not not re- not relying upon the power and strength of the United States military. And that's what's happened. What's wrong here with requesting, demanding, not requesting, demanding some organization that we pay $400 billion a year to, excuse me, $400 million a year to, what's wrong with suggesting, demanding that they do their job? continues here and i'll take a quick break in a second he cited the who's lack of pushback to beijing's foggy reporting on the virus in the early going saying it could uh, it cost the rest of the world valuable time see our media wants to blame president trump our media wants to say president trump sat on his hands that's why trump did the video the other day he did the video which they thought was propaganda msnbc was so terrified they had to shut down shut down the a stream of the 
press conference. They couldn't even let their viewers see that. They couldn't even stand the idea that their viewers saw a video that Trump and his team put together demonstrating his administration's response. Propaganda, they, they exclaim. Misinformation. Meanwhile, they are the very definition of misinformation. And so Trump says, why all the, why all the anger at me? You know, we're making decisions. You're wanting to say that, that my actions or lack of actions early on cost Americans' lives. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we have the World Health Organization that didn't hold China accountable, that didn't hold this nation accountable that was withholding information. We're still seeing evidence they're withholding information. They're not telling us the truth here. They're not giving us enough information as to what really happened. I mean, the longer this goes on and the more we see numbers get to where they get, the likelihood that China's numbers are anywhere near reality is a truly unbelievable uh, premise for us to accept. And the, and the World Health Organization didn't hold China accountable in that regard. And as a result... As a result, that certainly impacted what other nations did or did not do as this pandemic began to spread. So kudos to President Trump on, on, on doing this. He'll take pushback and criticism, especially in the quote-unquote midst of the, of the crisis. But right now, right now, when you look at who's leading the way here, it's certainly not the World Health Organization. President Trump says, you want the money, prove your value. I say Great. That's exactly what needs to happen. Also, say I've got to take a time out. Listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Talking here a little bit about Trump and his uh, cutting of funding to the World Health Organization, which, of course, has caused people to, to freak out. It's, it's just – it's very interesting to me that an organization – some people get caught up in the, in the symbolism or what something is supposed to be, and they don't, they don't look at what it actually is. Right? That's why the names of legislation, that's why the, the terms that people use in debates matter tremendously. That's why it's pro-choice, the pro-choice movement, because who can be against choice? Well, there's some choices that we can be against, and those choices happen to be when another person deprives someone else of their life, liberty, and property. Right? Circle gets a square there. That's why people oppose oppose abortion. It's not because they're against the concept of choice. You will find no human being on this planet that believes in the importance of choice more than me. Choice is something that comes directly from our being created in the image of God. That is, I mean, we have a choice. But but some choices, if they're executed, have they all choices have consequences. But some choices, if they are uh, carried out in a certain way, they have really negative consequences. And in fact, you could say that you shouldn't be able to make that choice. If you make that choice, there should be repercussions, 
right? I mean, if you, I mean, you, you can take your pick. If you choose to assault a police officer, you will find yourself in handcuffs and standing before a jury one day. That is completely justifiable. If you're Iran and you're chanting death to America, death to Israel, and then you suddenly want nuclear weapons, and the rest of the civilized world says no, you have to understand that your choice to threaten nations, to threaten to wipe them off the face of the planet, has consequences. And one of those is we're not going to give you the means to do that. And so it doesn't really matter what you call these things, what uh, you know, what they're stated in the case of the World Health Organization, what their stated intended purpose is, what their mission statement is. I don't care what their stinking mission statement is. I care what they're doing. And if they're not holding nations like China responsible, where this began, and you think about the number of viruses that start in China. I mean, for, for goodness sakes, they've reopened the wet markets in China. It's as though nothing even happened. World Health Organization hasn't pressured China. They're basically defending China in a lot of ways. So I don't care what the group is called. I don't care that it's got world in its name. I don't care what their mission statement says. I don't care what it, what they tell us they're trying to do. The question is, are they? Are they doing it? Are they taking our dollars? And are they delivering on their stated purpose? Are they doing their job transparently and fairly and justly? Is it actually worth the $400 million? Or is this simply funding some organization, funding some organization that has other priorities, other, uh, other priorities that increase the price tag for the United States and deliver, uh, you know, basically make us provide more for other places in the world? Uh, you know, increase the burden on this nation while delivering nothing when it comes to outbreaks like coronavirus. Congratulations. I, I'm pleased with this. This is going to be reviewed. It's not a permanent thing. I mean, who knows what will happen next, but it's not a permanent thing. It's just something that we need to look into. There needs to be some discussions here. There needs to be some accountability. You've seen the, the back and forth between Trump and the World Health Organization where they actually – Criticize Trump for making this political. You got to be kidding me. Meanwhile, they won't say anything bad about China. Craziness. Good for Trump on this. Got to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, one of the, I say, I'm gonna say drawbacks, but I guess you could say drawbacks of having a list of things that you want to get to in a program and not have it scripted. You know, you watch a lot of these television shows. I mean, those things are scripted down to the T. They're reading from a teleprompter. We don't, we don't do that here. I have a list of things I want to talk with you about, and one of those things is the Obiden Obama presidency finally getting the obama endorsement which is which is uh again he's the last democrat i find it funny the very last democrat to endorse the obama biden ticket 
or the Biden-Obama ticket, as, as Biden tells us, is former President Barack Obama. So we'll talk about that next hour. So I'll tell you really quickly in the waning moments here that hour two of the program can be watched currently on Facebook at least through the end of this month as we get through coronavirus and all the quarantines and shutdowns and social distancing. Or you can subscribe to our newsletter and get a free month of total access. So guys, see you in a few SDG.